It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 21st of April. The news items that are out there that we should keep an eye on, the games of the year and why this one might be the most important, and then a fun other NBA draft notes and a few other things. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan even in this crazy time. Uh, Thanks so much for tuning in. Again, reminder, we're trying to uh, collect those moments of why you're a Jazz fan that make it great to be a Jazz fan, to be a sports fan, kind of remember uh, all the great stuff that's out there. Uh, feel free to email me those at dlock09 at gmail.com. We like to refer to it as our daily devar in honor of a uh, professor over at the U of U who's just always so positive and upbeat about anything a few years back. And so we named it after him, the daily devar. Uh, so uh, please uh, feel free to submit those. We'd love to get some thoughts on it. Going to games with grandpa, remembering certain games, things of that nature. Uh, I I would like, I'm going to kind of always try to keep us up on a few news notes or things that are going on out there in our world and and what's new, and then we'll delve into this week. We're looking at the best games of the year. In some ways, this is the game that I think in in jazz fans might be the the most important uh, win of the year or the game that gives us the most uh, hope of the year, at least. Uh, Here's some, there's two baseball leagues that are actually taking place right now. Uh, in Taiwan, they've got five teams playing. It's pretty interesting. It's all part of the Taiwanese-Chinese battle, right? So that if Taiwan can show that they are up and playing before China is, then they're showing that their liberal democracy is superior to the com- the communist approach of of China. It's all it's all interplayed and all sorts of things. So they have they have five teams playing. They have no travel and they have robots in the crowd as fans. And we'll keep an eye on that. South Korea is a little more interesting. They have 10 teams now playing, but they've just started spring training. They actually have no start date set as of right now. Their league has 10 teams and no air travel. Uh, They'll have no fans. Everybody's temperature is taken as they're coming into... um, into the uh, stadiums or the training camp or spring train areas, they're calling it. Uh, now, that doesn't address the asymptomatic question, which is really the big one that's out there. There's two big questions that are out there. There was a study out of Stanford that's being heavily criticized that had a huge percentage of the population actually already having COVID-19, but being asymptomatic. Um, and then there's a study out of New York where they... they Uh, tested all the pregnant women, and I think it was 18% of the pregnant women had COVID-19 but were asymptomatic, which is a pretty interesting number, right? So if one in five suddenly are getting it. And then the next key piece on this is whether or not, and we don't know this, that you actually have built up immunity. Dr. Fauci assumes as much. He says that he thinks, but he has never, nobody's definitively said that. So that's an interesting 
I mean, frankly, this is would be this would be good news that if if many many people are getting this asymptomatically, and then building up a, a little bit of that herd immunity, then that's great news. South Korea, when taking temperatures, they're not addressing the asymptomatic aspect of things. They have no start date as of right now. They've changed their dining rooms for the players, and they've just started spring training. So that's one. Those two things are worth keeping a little bit of an eye on. There is yesterday. You know, the reality, there was a comment that was made, and I apologize, I actually didn't write it down, but basically that the second wave is inevitable when you don't have a vaccine. So what that gets to is that what these leagues are going to have to do is have a policy. You know, what what is the policy? When COVID-19 strikes a player in the league, are we just shutting down? Are we treating it like the flu where they just are sick? Are we quarantining them for 14? Like, what are we doing as leagues when this takes place. that's That, to me, is kind of the unknown item that's out there that has not been addressed and that probably is the singular item that has to be addressed. All right, I don't want to you know, overwhelm us with this, but I think we all want to know when we're getting back to playing, and so that's out there. Uh, I do want to get to our theme of the week. Our theme of the week is the best games of the season, and one of our best games of the season was against the Los Angeles Clippers right after acquiring Jordan Clarkson after having beat the Portland Trailblazers in a good one. We might come back to December 26th. I was kind of putting these in in order of best wins. The, our best win is probably that Milwaukee win we played yesterday, but this one right here probably has Jazz fans as fired up as any. Joe, guarded now by Shamit instead of Paul George. Fires the three, got it. Oh my goodness. You are feeling it, aren't you, Joe Ingles? Aren't you the same team that cut me? Five threes tonight for Joe after 60 of the night. Bradley hands it off to Donovan. Ten on the shot clock, minute left in the quarter. Donovan comes off a Bradley pick, drives with the right hand, big step through, floats it up and scores. Donovan Mitchell is spinning his web. 93-88. Joe Ingles on the top, works to the right side of the floor, hesitates, curls back out to the left. Now he's got Magruder on him. Flares to the corner to Donovan. Ball fakes Kawhi Leonard. Drives, goes up high, cocks the right hand, and hammers. Oh, Donovan, don't do me like that. Williams trying to throw it through traffic, stolen by the Jazz. Gobert has it. Pushes ahead to Bogdanovich. Back to Clarkson. Clarkson attacks the 10 and lays it up and in. 109-102 Utah. Timeout, Doc Rivers, Jazz by seven. Kawhi Leonard, the finals MVP, works to the bounce pass down to Zubak. He loses it, saves it. It's right to Ingles. Jazz on the run. Gobert coming down the middle. Bogdanovich right corner. Fires the three. Boyan! 114-107. Boyan Bogdanovich. All right, we'll dig more into this win and continue on the program. There's some fun highlights in there. Joe hitting five threes. Donovan's dunk on Kawhi Leonard. Obviously, Boyan with the big dagger Jordan in there. We'll, we'll dig into that one. That was a fun win. December 28th, Jazz beat the Clippers 120-107 in L.A. We'll dig in that next. Today's show brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. Murdoch Hyundai is doing some fabulous things right now at, there for you. There's the Murdoch Sure program. So Murdoch Sure is what Murdoch's family is doing to make sure that you feel sure and comfortable about everything that's taking place uh, with Murdoch right now. So the Murdoch Sure is transparent, it's convenient, and it's the wow factor. They You can do all of your car shopping online. 
They'll bring the car to you. You can test drive it. You can come in after you've done all the, avoid the contacts, take a look at your car. Then there's the deals. The deals are amazing. 0% APR up to 84 months and no payments for four months on the 2020 Tucson or the Elantra. Plus, you obviously have the Hyundai uh, complimentary maintenance of 36,000 miles, three years. It's just incredible. As I think I've shared, we're looking strongly at the Tucson right now, trying to figure out uh, whether it's the, we, we weren't really planning on, but the deals are so good, it's almost impossible to pass up. And then we do have another driver coming in, as I've shared with you numerous times. We are the same family that all, like everyone else, who's like, okay, our new kid's getting the beat up car. And then we uh, get the, the, the new kid and realize that, um, oh, wait a sec, we actually want every safety feature and Hyundai peaks out on all the safety features. So uh, we try to try to take a look at that as well. So that's over at Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. Check it out. Murdoch Hyundai Experience Murdoch. Sure. If you're going to go over there, email me dlock09 at gmail.com. We'll set up interesting conversations I've been having with Blake. So impressed with uh, Blake Murdoch and the Murdochs and how they're addressing uh, this time and making sure that they have everybody's uh, you know, best interest in mind and safety and how they're advancing their company so that they are ready uh, to make the, the steps they need to. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. Rejecting the screen is out this week as well for you. We'll uh, have some more on that uh, for you coming up uh, during during the week. Uh, let's all right. Let's go to that win. The December twenty sixth one. It was fun to hear those. Or December twenty eighth one. Fun to hear those highlights. Uh, remember the Clippers jumped early in this game. They led the Jazz by ten in the early going clippers were who have very rarely been at full strength were at full strength they had paul george Kawhi leonard zubak patrick beverly mo harkless the only thing they did not have in that game was montres harrell did not play so that was a little different in that uh montres harrell didn't play but i actually generally think when you look at the jazz in the playoff picture and the world that the clippers are actually the the clippers are the best team i think in the west but I also think they're the best matchup for the Jazz because between Zubak and Harrell, it allows Rudy to stay near the rim and have that kind of impact on the game. Jazz shot lights out. Effective field goal percentage, 62%. Clippers' effective field goal percentage was 
Jazz offense in that game was a 124, which I think if we go back uh, through it is probably one of the Jazz better offensive games of the entire season. Um, we really were pretty fabulous uh, that day. That uh, offensive rating, actually the day before against Portland was the sixth best offensive rating. That is the 14th best offensive rating as of uh, through March 7th. I haven't, I haven't updated it uh, through uh, our last game against Oklahoma City. I will, I will do that and have it more accurate for you uh, in upcoming days. Uh, I haven't used it in a while, so my password, I'm certain, is not working right now. Anyway, Donovan had 30.7 rebounds, 9 assists. I mean, what a huge game for Donovan. That monster dunk on Kawhi Leonard. And as you, as you walk through that game, the Jazz trailed that game, as I said, at the end of 1 by 10. And they still trailed it at the half, though they'd cut into the deficit and trailed by two. Donovan hit a sh two buckets late, kind of took over the game late in that half. Jordan Clarkson kind of showed us what his value was, scoring six straight points uh, midway through that quarter. The Jazz had been down by nine. And then in the third, on a Bogdanovich three, the Jazz tied the ball game, and O'Neal followed with a three for the lead change. And suddenly the Jazz had the lead, and... Just kind of progressively stretched it out. Joe Ingles put the Jazz up seven on that three you heard earlier, which was his fifth of the game. Donovan, who had 30, answered with a bunch of buckets. Emmanuel Moutier was playing in that game because I believe Mike Conley was out uh, and had some nice plays late. And the Jazz led by one going to the fourth, but fell behind uh, and then regained the lead on Donovan's dunk over Kawhi Leonard at 98-97 that you heard with 9.18 left, and held the lead the rest of the way, stretching it out. Clarkson got that layup you heard at 109, 102. Um, and then Bogdanovich's three put the Jazz up by seven with 2.22 left, and the Clippers went dry. The Clippers ended up making just one field goal in the final 4.37, and only, uh, or z zero field goals in the final 437. Their only points were free throws and only one field goal in the final seven minutes. So that was as good as the Jazz were at any point all season. Uh, and, and I think that's probably the most impressive win we have on the road against the Clippers. Again, they're without Montrez Harrell. We're without Mike Conley. Uh, but I also think that the interesting aspect of this game is some of the shot chart aspects. So Kawhi Leonard in that game has to ends up not having a very good game. Uh, and he ends up, because of Rudy, scoring five field goals in around the basket. And uh, from outside five or six feet, he ends up, or outside five feet, he ends up in that game going one of nine in on mid-range twos. And, what, and about one of seven on threes, I think it is. Um, I have to understand entirely how they're doing the shot shot, but I think that's right on Kawhi. And and then you look at Paul George's shot chart in that game, and this is why you have a feeling that the Jazz really match up well. Paul George, same thing. Paul George got to the rim twice. And then otherwise, I believe in that game, outside five feet, Paul George goes... 0 for 7. The 0 for is probably a little unlikely, but it's a sign that they're not getting the shots that they're the most comfortable with or the shots that they, you know, that they would prefer to get. 
uh, because of Rudy, because Zubox in the game, because and they even played Jermichael Green a lot of that game, which frankly for the Clippers against the Jazz actually might be their best answer is to play Jermichael Green because it pulls Rudy, you know, it does everything everybody says it should do. It pulls Rudy uh, out of the post. And so when you're able to kind of make Kawhi play this game that he's not comfortable with, uh, or that it's not that he's not comfortable, I mean, Kawhi's pretty fabulous in this. It's just not as efficient a game. You know, Kawhi's one of the better uh, mid-range shooters in the league, and yet it's still a shot that you're probably perfectly, if you're the Jazz, this is why I think you match up pretty well against the Clippers. The Clippers are better. The Clippers, when at full strength, are, have been virtually unbeatable, but the Jazz have this win against them. And if you're And Rudy is able to stay near the rim, so then Rudy's able to keep Kawhi and Paul George off the basket. Kawhi's long-range two-shooting is 44%. I mean, as good as he is at this stuff, and his... And his mid, you know, his little floater in the in range is at forty nine percent. So those are fine, and they're but they're again that's heavy mid range. And if you're able to protect them off the rim, then what you're able to do there is is negate what makes them great. Now I don't, you know, if we get into a matchup with them in the playoffs, which would be great because one, it would mean we're playing the playoffs, and two, it would mean we've advanced out of the first round, and three, it might mean we're in the Western Conference Finals depending on the bracket. So all of those things to me seem like they're very positive, good things. But the fact is, I don't know how we would score. I think that would be how the issue. But even if you look at Paul George's season, Paul George is a 37% long two-shooter and a 41% paint non-restricted area shooter. They're they're a heavy, heavy mid-range team, and yet they're not actually great at it. Um, And so what Rudy does is takes away a decent amount of what the Clippers do really, really well. And so I actually do think it's a good matchup. And then what I think actually gets really interesting in this matchup is that I've, and I've said this all year about the Clippers, as good as they are, I do think they have a Lou Williams problem. So if they have Patrick Beverly, Landry Shamit, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Montrez Harrell out on the floor, like I don't necessarily know how we score. Because they're gonna go put, you know, Kawhi Leonard on uh Boyan Bogdanovich or Kawhi Leonard on Donovan Mitchell and Paul George on Boyan Bogdanovich, however they want to do it. And and we're going to have a hard time scoring at that point. That that seems, you know, pretty clear to me that we're going to struggle. Um, what gets interesting for them is if the Clippers are suddenly having not getting the shots they want because of Rudy, then they've got to bring in Lou Williams. And now, you know, this is where Mike Conley becomes really valuable. Now Lou Williams is trying to guard Mike Conley. And if that's the case, suddenly, you know, that that now we have a matchup we can go to, and Quinn's kind of the master at living and finding those matchups. Um, what's interesting about the Clippers, they're the number two offensive team in the league, so it's pretty hard to criticize, you know, what they're doing. Um, their shot selection's not great. They have the 19th best kind of shot selection in the league. They take 18% of their shots at the rim. They take 13%, 12% of their shots as long twos. Um, they take 20% of their, or they're in the 20th percent or ranked 20th in the league in 
I think I said that wrong, by the way. So they're they're ranked seventeenth in the league in rim shots. They rank about tenth in the league in. Let's do this again. 18th in the league in rim shots, 12th in the league in amount of twos, and 20th in threes. So it's not there's nothing great about it. What they what they do well is they kind of hit on some of those mid ranges a high percentage. Um, and if you but if you take away and skew that shot chart a little bit more, then what they start to rely on is they have a very good offensive rebounding game. Well, we're a pretty good defensive rebounding team. Um, And so the way they have become the number two offensive team in the league is not by shooting. They're the 17th best shooting team in the league. Contrasted to us, we're the number one shooting team in the league. It's probably why you like the matchup. They're the fifth best offensive rebounding team, and they get to the free throw line the most. Well, in the playoffs, I think you generally get to the free throw line a little less because they let the game play a little bit more. And I think people crash the glass a little bit more. So that's not a great combination to have going into the playoffs if you're the Clippers. And so, from a Jazz standpoint, I do think that's um, an opportunity for the Jazz to be able to to make some inroads um, in that regard. So, that's that's why I think that's an interesting uh, matchup for the Jazz. I also, that's why I think this win uh, that we're focusing on today is probably the win we look back at as the best win of the year uh, by the Jazz. Let's just hope we get to talk more about that playoff, that kind of playoff series. I think it's a pretty interesting uh, matchup. Their defense, fifth best in the league, second best against the shot. You know, I, I do, I do seriously wonder how you score against them uh, when you need to. There are so many interesting companies in Utah, and I've got to know Matt Lund a little bit out of Crown Trophy in Ogden. This is another one of these really innovative Utah business people. Fun, fun thing to talk about. So let me tell you a little bit about Crown Trophy. So Crown Trophy is the largest award franchise in America. So it's pretty cool. It, when Matt talks about his job, he just loves it. He's like, imagine a world where everyone is ecstatic about what they get. You're making stuff that represents the best things in people's lives. You're giving them awards for things that they feel that they're proud of. You're personalizing those awards so they feel they appreciate. Matt's passion was awesome. So Matt in, in 2004 and his dad, got crown trophy in Ogden, but they have now really expanded this. So one of the things they specialize in is lasers. So engraving for machine parts, medical devices, aerospace items, anything that's traceable or needs marking crown trophy has the lasers to do. It can be guns, pocket knives. They do a huge amount of like tumblers and Yeti mugs for people engaging. They do it faster than anyone. They do it better than anyone. They've done Healthcare professionals right now, those masks are just all over. So they've been doing these clips on the masks and then being able to personalize it. So if you have a healthcare professional, you can get the, that you know well, the inspirational messages on these clips so that the, they have a little bit more, uh, that they're not leaving marks on them uh, and using these clips and giving them out as into groups or people of that nature. They've also done a fun little thing recently for all the seniors. They've done banners and yard signs and names for seniors. They just do great stuff. Crown Ogden at gmail.com or call Matt at 801-621-2055. That's 801-621-2055. They've also got a brand new screen printing service with heat transfer process, which is faster, less expensive and higher quality. Taking a company crown trophy that Matt's, passionate about the largest award franchise in America and then stretching it out now to lasers and t-shirts and doing all these other things all sorts of construction going on right now they do interior signage electricians have to label all their boxes they'll do all those things for you email matt at crownogden at gmail.com you can check out crown ogden uh 
in on Facebook or call it 801-621-2055. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need. Starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. The Locked On Podcast Network has a fabulous show called Rejecting the Screen with Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko. I told you more on that before. It's a great show for this time of the year because one of the things they're, they've been doing is these sit-down interviews, evergreen kind of interviews. In other words, they last forever. They did a fabulous one with Adam Morrison. So today for our last segment of the show, I'm going to let you listen to a best of Rejecting the Screen with Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko. And then uh, you can follow them on iTunes or on Spotify. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever your podcast. Add them to your list and you'll get great content. But here's some of the best of Rejecting the Screen. Hey, it's Noah Kozlov from Rejecting the Screen on the Locked On Podcast Network. Adam Stanko and I get together twice a week to talk hoops with folks who have touched the NBA on all sorts of levels, from all-stars, coaches, executives, and media members. Recently, the number three pick in the 2006 NBA draft, Adam Morrison, joined us to tell a story about how Kobe Bryant, his former Lakers teammate with whom he won two rings, went above and beyond to lift his spirits. It was a year after I was out, and so I wasn't playing, obviously, and I was really depressed, and I was basically a hermit in my own house, and I was, didn't go out in the community at all. And, and, you know, if you did, it was one of people asking you, why aren't you playing? And I was, you know, I'm 26 at the time or whatever I was, and, you know, number three pick, and just really low point in my life. And I get a text from Robert Laura, the, the Lakers security, and it was Kobe's, like, one of his best friends. And he said, hey, what's your address? Uh, I got something in the mail for you. And I get the package, and it's um, an autographed jersey from Didier Drogba, um, who is my favorite player. I'm a Chelsea fan. You know, it was from Kobe. And game-worn jersey, you know, signed Didier Drogba, to Adam, best wishes. And I always thought Kobe, you know, made a phone call, which is, would be fine. It's still cool as shit. It's unbelievable. The night he passed, I'm scrolling through, reading everything, and I'm emotional. And on Chelsea's, you know, Instagram page, it's him with Didier Drogba holding up a jersey, and it says, to Adam, best wishes. So he went up to my favorite player, got it signed for me without me even asking, and sent it to me when he knew I was was low. That's, that's what Kobe Bryant was, man. He was just one of those dudes who understood his own aura. 
When four-time All-Star Sean Marion hung out with us, not only did he tell us that he tried to recruit Kobe Bryant to the Suns the summer that the Suns ended up signing Steve Nash and Quentin Richardson, he also told us that his 2006 Suns team should have won the title. In the 2011 preseason, his Mavericks teammate Jason Terry was so confident they'd win it all, he got a tattoo of the trophy. We was at the Sean Stevenson house. We had a game in Orlando, and um, we went to his house and you know, a few through the team, and uh, we was over having bar eating and stuff. And then this tattoo guy came over there, and Jet guy tattooed a tra- trophy on his on his bicep. I was like, damn, dude. I was like, for real. I was like, okay, okay. I'm loving it. I'm loving the the, the confidence and the swag we have right now. So like, just let alone don't nobody else know. Don't nobody else in the world know we do we doing this and we doing this right now because everybody. Everybody in the league has aspirations. A lot of teams have aspirations to win championships, but it ain't but maybe a handful that actually actually can do it. You know what I'm saying? So we was one of those teams, and, like, we're sitting there going through this process and looking at this, and, uh, yeah, we was like, yeah. Did he tell you, hey, I'm going to get a tattoo of the trophy? Did you know as it was happening? Or once he got it, he showed you at – He's got a tattoo of the trophy. Well, it was called – it was all kind of one sequence. He's like, we won the championship this year. I'm about to get a trophy right now. <laughs> we were like, okay, that's what's up. <laughs> I mean, you don't get no better than that. Come on now, you don't get no better. Yeah, than it that. does it. You don't get no better than that. Kevin Willis never did win a ring, but he was an all-star and was one of the most dominant rebounders of his era. He spent year 16 of his career with the Toronto Raptors when Tracy McGrady was in year two and Vince Carter was a rookie, as expected. He had some pretty good advice for those kids. They used to call me OG, old head, things like that. <laughs> and I was, I think I was in my 15th year or somewhere up in there. And it was like, yeah, man. I used to tell him and T-Mac. I say, T-Mac, first of all, you need to, you need to stop falling asleep on the bench and practice. You, you got to stay awake. You, you, you keep falling asleep. But I used to tell him and Vince. You guys rather hope that you get the 15 years because you, you little snot-nosed rookies, but, <laughs> you know, they, they, were, they were great, great rookies, great talent. Speaking of vets and rookies, when Suns legend Eddie Johnson got traded to Seattle, Gary Payton was a rookie point guard. And since everyone loves a good one about GP running his mouth, Eddie delivered. And I remember one day at practice, I was there for about two weeks. And I remember he kept disrupting practice. And Gary's a smart guy. He had, he had a right to talk in that regard because I got to know him. He really knows the game, obviously. He's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the greatest defenders ever now. But at the time, he was a rookie. And rookies were not supposed to talk under my watch. Right. So that's, that's what it was for me. And I just couldn't get over the fact that this rookie kept talking. You know, and I let it go for two weeks. And I asked Nate McMillan, I said, is it a point in time, man, when you all, like, going to say something to him? And Nate was like, man, you know. You know, Nate kind of shook it off. And I said, well, I'm going to say something. And lo and behold, one practice, he's got the yapping and, you know, coaches going over stuff, and he yapping, he yapping. And I just finally said, would you shut the F up? About 15 years later in Seattle, P.J. Carlesimo was coaching the Sonics with rookie Kevin Durant. When P.J. came on the show, he revealed how ahead of the curve his staff was when K.D. was on the floor. 
one good thing we really did with him was we exposed him to a lot of things in terms of we played him at two, we played him at three, we played him at four, we put him in pick and rolls, we encouraged him to shoot threes. It's his only bad three-point percentage. If you look at his percentage year by year uh, in the NBA, it's far and away the lowest one. But again, uh, in those days, it was even a bigger jump from college three to NBA three. And Kevin didn't shoot a lot of threes uh, at Texas. And we, we had him do that. And at times we were criticized, like, why are they playing this guy at guard? Why, like, why are they putting him in pick and rolls? You know, why are they letting him dribble the ball up the court? Because he could. Staying with coaches, Brendan Haywood won a title with the Mavs in 2011. And when he joined LeBron in the Cavs under David Blatt, it was obvious when a head coaching change was needed. We could see late in ball games if he had to draw up plays. We could see he was super nervous. His hands would be shaking. He'd have to give the clipboard to Larry Drew. Larry Drew would draw the plays up. And when you see that, you understand. Like, this dude ain't ready. He's not ready for this. He's not ready for this. And it's not his fault because he, he thought he was taking on a rebuilding project. And then next thing you know, LeBron James calls up David Blatt and says, I'm coming. And now instead of taking on a rebuilding project with Kyrie and Deion Waiters at the forefront of it, and Tristan Thompson, you have LeBron James and Kevin Love there, and now you're competing for a title. Uh, I just don't I, – I think just Coach Black got hit with too much too soon, but it was easy to tell right away that Coach Black was probably in over his head. Just like a head coach can lose a team, a woman can tear one apart as well. Butch Beard was an assistant with the Mavericks in the mid-'90s as Grammy Award-winning R&B singer Tony Braxton came in between stars Jason Kidd and Jimmy Jackson. I mean, it was it, it ended up being Jason and Jimmy, all right? Chase and Tony. Tony's not caring about either one of them. And then the team was taking sides. So I'll never forget, we had, we, we, we had a damn team meeting. And I said, guys, it's a woman that's breaking us apart. And if, if the woman is that good, please, I want to see what her mother looks like. Because I want to <laughs> date her mother. Come on. Entertainment and the NBA will always be intertwined. The first to do that on the media side was the New York Post's Peter Vesey, who was also the sideline reporter for the national broadcasts on NBC. We asked Peter about his post-game interview with Carl Malone after the Jazz lost in the finals to the Bulls in 1997. The YouTube clip is titled, Peter Vesey tries to get punched. Carl was always a great interview. He would never not answer a question. You know, we really didn't get along. I, I disliked him on many levels, respected him on many other levels as a player, but, you know, he was a dirty player. And the first time that they showed it to me, I didn't even remember it. Okay, so I did this interview. I had no agenda. I was just going to ask him some tough questions, and um, I didn't care how tough because I really didn't like him. So, <laughs> but I knew he was going to answer them. <laughs> so, so I, I wasn't, I didn't feel unsafe, and I didn't feel like I was doing something wrong. And it really never, it never dawned on me that that came off the way it did. You know, my son would say to me, "Said, wow, what were you, what were you thinking?" So that was just doing my job, but I, I, uh, I had no mindset going in other than I knew he was going to answer my question. In 1997, former head coach Hubie Brown was broadcasting for TNT, but five years later was hired by Jerry West mid-season to coach the Memphis Grizzlies. Point guard Earl Watson was in his second year with the team, 
and was thoroughly confused when it all went down. Jerry West introduced UV. I'm 22 years old. We're in Memphis, losing franchise. First time in my life I've ever been a part of anything that was losing. So it's all new to me. Just everything was like new to me. I never, I, it made me, it almost made me sick. He introduces Hubie Brown and I'm thinking, I got to call Bob because we just hired the TNT guy. This is crazy. <laughs> I didn't know his full resume, right? <laughs> so the first thing he says to us, he takes the podium and he says, first I would like to say, you all are fucking losers. <laughs> None of you are winners. If you was a winner, the other guy wouldn't be packing his stuff with his family. See, you got on fire. You're fucking losers. I'm going to teach you how to be a winner. I'm going to teach you how to be a winner. The Bob that Earl referred to was Bob Myers, his agent at the time and now the president of the Golden State Warriors. Stories like these are a taste of what rejecting the screen sounds like every week. So we hope you'll join us by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, or download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hope you like what Adam and Noah are putting together. We're really proud of it. The Lockdown Podcast Network. Also, Hollinger and Duncan are out for you. Nate's doing a really good Corona Daily show as well. Uh, and then Chad Ford's big board, Kevin O'Connor, they went through the 2020 pick I've uh, draft. I'll talk some things about the 2020 draft on tomorrow's program uh, for you. Thanks very much for tuning in today to Locked on Jazz. We'll continue with our series of greatest wins, Daily Devars. And if you have a suggestion for the best wins of the year, feel free to email me. Look forward to hearing from you. DLock09 at gmail.com. Have a great day. Right now is a great time to tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of podcast Locked on NFL Draft to get you ready for the upcoming NFL Draft. Have a good one. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.